like to pay a couple respects to the people that made me what I am today. Nothing here. Kiss all my love. What I'm talking about today is the assassination of Kim Jong-nam. So I'm going to, spoiler alert, uh, Kim Jong-nam is no longer uh, with us. Uh, he was uh, murdered, assassinated in 2017, which was, I mean, in America, this was like weeks after Donald Trump had become president. So half of the country in America was apoplectic that Trump was taking power. And so this story just kind of zipped through the news cycle, whereas it would have been a huge story any other time. I think it was on in the news cycle for like a day or two in America and gone. And so yeah. uh, so I think I don't think a lot of so like our American listeners out there, this might be a completely unknown story to you or you might have just remembered it a little bit. Uh, maybe even you, Ryan, might have it might have just kind of yeah, I mean, the way I experienced it. I mean, the way I remember is probably because of how I experienced it. Like I I remember the headline and I, I've got like a mugshot of him in my mind and a location like I know where it happened. And uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know the story around it. So. I, you know what? The the cool thing is that I bet you have traveled to Malaysia before. Am I right about many, that? Many times. Yeah. Yes. Malaysia. OK, so you're going to know this airport, the Kuala Lumpur International Airport. Uh, yeah. probably Does any flyer knows of Southeast Asia, <laughs> you do go to KL. That, that's the, yeah. that's the route. See, I've never, uh, I've never actually been to uh, Malaysia. So I, so for you, I, I, for as I'm describing this, feel free to interject with like any uh, information that you have, like about the airport and whatnot, because this sure. whole thing, this whole story, I've is, slept there several oh, times. <laughs> oh man, this this story that I'm going to tell you today about the assassination of Kim Jong Nam is if you it's like the movie Ocean's 11 except instead of stealing, you know, 100 million dollars they murdered a, you know, the brother of the president of North Korea. It's a it's a darker ending, but I mean yeah, the, quite. The, <laughs> it is much darker, but it is it's fascinating how they pulled this off. So, um I will go ahead and start with just a I just want to give you guys like a quick background of Kim Jong-nam. So he was born in 1971, uh, May 10th, um, and then he passed away on the 13th of February 2017, which is the day uh, of this, this story that I'm going to tell uh, right now uh, took place. Um, he was a, uh, well, he spent his, his younger years um, in Moscow and uh, Swiss, Switzerland. So he went to like a Swiss boarding school. Like and, Kim Jong-un uh, was in Switzerland too, right? Yeah, I think so. That's right. I think Kim Jong-un, but they too have never met before. Uh, that is the ancient practice. Really? Yeah, was to keep the sons, the heirs, the possible heirs should not meet ever. Holy so they shit. did not know each other. That's crazy. I know. It is crazy. I I, I mean, uh, just hang on. Let's, let's pause right there for yeah. a second. Okay. One, it's like nuts to have never met your brother or sister, you know, because that happens in life. You know, people get adopted. There's events, yeah, whatever it might be, but intentionally so intentionally <laughs> separated. Right. Like it could be you could know your brother, but you're not allowed. So and you probably grew up knowing that you probably grew up knowing like I have a brother and I'm being forbidden from knowing my brother. Yeah. And then also stacking on top of that like palace intrigue you know like this is like oh <laughs> big heir to a fortune yes that's insane i didn't know this well this is it's really fascinating actually how i mean um i, I think this is i think this goes back to like a joseon dynasty practice where heirs to really? the king would not be like if the king had a mistress and a child and those those children would not commingle. They would uh, the two sons would be kept separate. And so this, wow. according to what I read, this is like an ancient practice. This goes back, okay. you know, thousands of years. So I'm assuming back into the the dynastic, you know, uh, tradition, um, which you know is so bizarre to see it practiced in modern day politics. But you yeah. know, it's in our yeah. lifetime. This all happened. I mean, th this he was born in '71. Um, he was. Uh, so educated in Switzerland, but he he had an artistic. He was they they said his temperament was was similar to his father. So uh, Kim Jong Il uh, was uh, the son of Kim Il Sung, and Kim Il Sung was the first leader. So it's a uh, you have a, a Kim Il Sung, Kim Jong Il, and Kim Jong Un is the is the current leader. And uh, uh, Kim Jong Il uh, loved movies. 
and films. And so did uh, uh, Kim Jong-nam. He also had. And so when he was a child, uh, Kim Jong-il built him a small movie studio where he could make films like you do, you know, like, uh, hey, you're you want a movie studio? Awesome? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll give you a director. Uh, you can have a, a DP. Um, no, I mean, it's uh, it's it's kind of funny how and and there's another son as well, which this is really interesting. So I'm just looking at the uh, I have a, a photograph here of the family tree. And so uh, Kim Jong-il um, had uh, he'd several wives and, and uh, uh, mistresses over the years. And so um, and Kim Jong-nam was the uh, the son of one of his mistresses. And he was also educated abroad because uh, Kim Il-sung did not approve of that uh, relationship of have you know, mistresses. Oh. And so uh, he, he, Kim Jong-il kind of hid that from that son from his father, uh, mm -hmm. tried to keep him uh, separated um, until I suppose his father passed away. Um, but uh, Kim, Kim Jong-nam, so uh, Kim, Kim Jong-il had uh, uh, five children, apparently, uh, yeah, uh, Kim Sul Song was the was a daughter born in 1974, and Kim Jong Nam born in 1971. So those two are, I think those two are are uh, the oldest. Oh, they're still the half half brother and half sister. Um, mm. But the sister, the Kim Sul Song, I never, uh, I don't really hear about her. I don't think. But according to this uh, chart, it says she's uh, she was his Kim Jong Il's favorite daughter um but right now i think kim yo jong is the one that's really you know close to kim kim jong-un because they're yeah. uh, brother and sister uh, they were closer um kim jong chol was born in 1981 and uh he was also kind of in the running for heir, but he didn't show any desire to be president of North Korea, which disappointed Kim Jong-il because his son, you know, he's like, well, you're my, you know, uh, if, if, if I'm not going to choose Kim Jong-nam, you're the next oldest is Kim Jong-chol. And Kim Jong-chol preferred to hang out in his room and listen to Eric Clapton and play the guitar. I like that. <laughs> I, I relate to that, man. I relate to that, you know, just I like know. leave me alone. You know, leave me alone. I'm going to be up in the palace, uh, you know. Maybe not Clapton, but yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, uh, if this guy had become, you know, president uh, of Korea, leader of Korea, Kim Jong Chol, maybe we could have, you know, Layla diplomacy or something like that, you know, just like once you know, a year, Clapton yeah. has to perform Tears in Heaven in Pyongyang, you know, with great fanfare and everything else will is that's the only that's the only condition at the um it's just like right, yeah clapton for one night what well, we're good yeah we're good new year's <laughs> new year's eve clapton pyongyang and we're we're all good um so what what happened with uh, kim jong-nam is that uh kim jong-nam was the successor to uh the throne essentially he was the he kim jong-il was setting him up to uh to be the the next president when he passes away in 2001, I think this story is kind of well known um, among people that are a little bit interested in Korea and North Korea and South Korea and stuff. And uh, Kim Kim Jong Un, Kim Jong Nam, sorry, uh, he went to uh, Japan with an illegal visa and tried to get in, sneak into Disney World, uh, and they, he got caught. <laughs> yeah, they got he got caught. He was he was there with. Um, let me see here. He, he was with he was traveling um, on a di forged Dominican passport using a Chinese alias, uh, Pang Zhong, which means fat bear. So fat bear took his Dominican passport to Tokyo, to Narita, sorry, oh. uh, at, uh, International Airport and tried to go to Disney World with, uh, I don't know, his wife, girlfriend and his uh, a child, his son. And oh, uh, man. it's just the same as like, you know, you and I trying to, you know, use our fake IDs, you know, right, get, yeah. get, into, get into, club, into a bar or something. Yeah. Okay. When we're 19, I get a six pack. Yeah. yeah. You just, you know, you make a fake ID, go to Japan, try to get to Disney World. Same the thing. funny thing is this was this is a 30 year old guy. So yeah. Disney World, it was it was an embarrassment to the North Korea, to North Korea. And in yeah. fact, uh, Kim Jong Il. Um, canceled a trip to China uh, because of this incident. 
Um, wow. So yeah. Really, which is really a big deal for them. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think it's, I think it's that, that it's that, that um, event which caused him to lose favor in uh, Kim Jong-il's eyes. And so, um, and, and this is something I didn't know. Part of the, the Kim's power is very dependent on the military in North Korea, keeping the military happy. That's where yeah. their power is center is located in, in the military. And so that's why um, you'll, you'll see them lash out from time to time. They, they sunk a ship, uh, killed some South Korean sailors, uh, a submarine. These are all actions of, that are supposed to build support with the, with the North Korean military, you know, and uh, solidify support. And so, uh, when when they uh, I think it, it was uh, I think in 2000 I can't remember when the the sinking of the South Korean ship in Mar- in 2010 uh, was part of Kim Jong Il's attempt to secure a succession for Kim Jong Un and so Kim Jong Nam was out Kim Jong Un was in and uh, and so uh, Kim Jong Nam ended up uh, moving actually getting exiled to uh macau to china and so he he uh, he was exiled from north yeah he had to leave he had to leave and as a matter of fact um there were several attempts on his life uh that failed before the one that was successful and so there was one in 2006 um i believe in hungary uh he was uh he was yeah there was an assassination attempt uh in hungary and uh, but it was uh, it was botched like they, they were able to uh, uh, prevent it from happening. And uh, it created a kind of uh, uh, problem between the country and, and North Korea. They, did, they were not they didn't appreciate that uh, happening. But there was kind of a, a uh, with the rise of, of Kim Jong Un, there was basically a, 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 a warrant uh, like on his head, like kill this guy. I want him gone because, right. uh, and I, I was trying to figure out, like, I was trying to do some research, like, why did he want to kill him so badly? Was it just to show his power and his strength? And I came across something that was really interesting. In China, the Chinese government um, kind of, I think they kind I don't know this for sure, but I'm imagining they kind of supported him a little bit and protected him because they thought that if Kim Jong-un's, if, if North Korea falls, they need somebody that they can install that could be there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he was kind of that guy. And so I think that is more of a threat to Kim Jong-un's power than maybe just saying, like flexing, you know, look how strong I can even have my brother killed. I think that he wanted to eliminate that option. And, and so I found that really, really interesting. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's just a lot of politics you know political you know um games being played you know gamesmanship and so and and it's all it's all such high stakes i mean it's literally life and death for these people so in a way i'm sympathetic to to being a member of the kim family because you're born into this chess game where you literally if you make the wrong move you're dead yeah and imagine that i wonder i wonder what his brother like you know picture from his perspective which I know nothing of, mm-hmm. but you know, you're in line for succession, and then uh, what appears to be um, one moment of folly, you know, and perhaps like you know, dad was pretty pissed off for a while, whatever. But you know, that's the narrative you just made is it's this incident. You're sidelined, get out of the country. And where are you going to go? You end up kind of in and around China. China, you know, massive global superpower. One phone call from anybody in, you know, authority in China saying, hey, I want you on retainer. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. We'll give you a stipend to stay alive. And, you know, uh, yeah, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? You got no family. You've been kicked out of your country. You don't have a country anymore. Right. Right. You don't don't have a passport. What are you going to do? the You're thing gonna, is that I think that he might have had I, I couldn't find this for sure, but I think he might have had some he might have been given some like uh, smaller duties like business. He, so he was able to set up some business deals. He was kind of a playboy, you know, 
wives, mistresses, um, yeah, but let's gambling. say it's even that. Let's yeah. say let's mm-hmm. say it's even that that he still is allowed. Like, let's say he's not completely like a full on exile from North Korea, but you were about to be like you know, you know, king of the world, and now yeah. your bro is going to take it over that you know you've never met, <laughs> and <laughs> right, so you you have no you've been sidelined massively and then the you know this massive world power comes to you and says hey we'll take care of you for now and in the event that north korea falls which i mean come on let's look at this this uh problem over here this is probably gonna happen yeah like we'll throw you right in 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 in, uh first place just let us puppet you that that's not such a hard pill to swallow. That's not such a hard story to believe is what I mean. It's that's, not, that's, it, uh, it's not, it doesn't sound crazy to me. It was actually, it seemed like the most rational thing that they could do. I mean, it was like, it, it was like a gift almost to, to them in a way. It's like, we have this. You can't know for certain that this is all like speculation. Yeah. That uh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm, if, if, uh, you know, uh, poli sci, you know, professor in Seoul national university is probably crawling in his skin right now, ready to, you know, uh, yeah. so please forgive me. I I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but I, China, China will see you in the comments. <laughs> yes. Um, so the, uh, so, okay. So he's exiled and, um, you know, uh, Kim Jong-un is, uh, well, I think he was protected as long as his father was alive, essentially, as long as Kim Jong-il was still in power, I think he could kind of float around in Macau and China and, and just drink and gamble and, and party. And he was okay. Um, but uh, when Kim Jong-il passed away, it got really dicey for him. And there were two uh, attempts on his life um, that failed, but he was, he was so stressed out by that. He wrote a letter to Kim Jong-un begging him, please brother, stop trying to kill me. Because he said there, you can't live. The only, the only way to escape this feeling is suicide. That's what he said in this letter to his brother. It's like this feeling of being hunted not nonstop perpetually wondering if if now is the time i'm going to be killed it it was driving him crazy and if you see him he looks like a wreck of a, he's very overweight he says that his, his father wouldn't let him succeed because um uh because he was too pro capitalist and and wanted to reform north korea but that's kind of convenient for him to say you know, sure. it, it, it's like, would you have done that if you had taken power or would you have been drunk on the power of, of running that whole country? So we, we can never know the answer to this. But I'm, you know, judging by his like history and stuff, I um, I'm suspicious that he would have reformed North Korea, you know, or or that he would have been able that he even would have been had the strength or the wherewithal to do it, you know, because I, I think it would be a very dangerous proposition to anyway. Um yeah, I mean, I remember the story. I mean, I was here when and you were here. Kim Jong Un uh, took the step up, and I remember there was the murmuring of optimism at that time, you know, about uh, cooler heads. And but I, I, I think what what happens in situation in that situation, again, I'm not, you know, poli sci <laughs> right. Uh, experts again see you in the comments let us know come on the show teach us yeah sure Uh, please be amazing um but i think in a situation like that it's not a one-man show Mm -hmm. you know so you can't just say like hey you seem like a cool guy and uh you know i think they're so beholden to the institution for which they're um commanding you know, not necessarily serving, but they're not really commanding it. They're, well, they're more serving it. They're, I I think the, the amount of inertia that has just been built up over those two generations is just probably, I mean, the, the, the wave of feeling like you have to do this, continue this forward is so that there would be so much pressure. I don't think that one person would be able to withstand it. I, yeah, I mean, I was making mints of what I'm saying here. Yeah. Let me try again. Oh, no, no, I'm to... sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh, no, uh, it's, no, you're... Words either. no, I mean, I stepped in my own words. What I was trying to say is that, you know, you you step in a position of power like that, where you're supposed to be like, you know, king of the world. It's never the case. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be. Your decisions are not going to be your own. Um 
I'm sure that Kim Jong Un has had to kill people that he did not want to kill. Like I, I mean, feel probably, like that. I, I can't yeah. be certain. But I feel like that. That's 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 why that's how I see the situation. Like he's probably had to do horrible things that he didn't want to do. He's probably had to go against his own um, choices. Well, I mean, he put his uncle on a mountain and and uh, and blew him up with an anti-aircraft uh, uh, ballistic missile. That, that's <laughs> so, an example. You know, it's a little <laughs> thou protested too much. You know, it's like uh, yeah. it's a little over overboard. You know, like what are you trying to? So obviously, that's that's how they that's the language they speak, right? The language of violence, which is you know we're very familiar with it in authoritarian regimes. So um, and and this is this story, and I'll I'll get into the the main story now because I've. I feel like I've extemporized a little, maybe uh, more than I should have. Um, I enjoyed it, but it, but I, it's it's good to have that background to know who this guy is, you know. And and so he's if you see him at the airport, um, now I'm gonna uh, take you to the assassination day because I think this is um, interesting. What I found was that he uh, he went he came he arrived uh, at uh, Kuala Lumpur International Airport on February sixth, and then uh, two days later he went to Langkawi Island. Have you been there? Langkawi? Langkawi, yeah. Langkawi. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, a it's a resort place. I don't, and anybody listening, I don't recommend it. No, hey, if you're from Langkawi and you got some resort there, you're trying to pump, good luck. Is it like, it's, uh, it's like, it's kind of like uh, Thailand, like one of those busy touristy beaches place? Like, I uh, mean, you can, you can take a short ride south for, you know, like an hour on a ferry or whatever, and you're in, I mean, why am I don't want to bad talk this island? No, I know what you're saying. You're, you're saying it's a it's a touristy place. It's you're gonna pay three times as much for your beer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't, he he didn't care about that because uh, in his backpack that he had at the airport on February 13th was a hundred thousand dollars in cash <laughs> and twelve vials of anti, uh, I guess anti-toxin nerve agent antidote. What? Yeah, he just walked around with those. Because he was so paranoid. Are you serious? This yeah. is known. This was in this his backpack. Known. Yeah, this is a, this was in his backpack. He had a hundred. Okay, that's not that's cash. not a healthy person, right there. That is <laughs> yeah. not a healthy person, like yeah. psychologically. Well, if you look at his body, I'm sure there was blood pressure medicine in there, oh, and probably some I'm statins. Just saying, you know, like, but yeah, hmm, anti nerve toxins and a hundred grand. <laughs> like you got problems, <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> I don't know how you how do you oh, get that sad. through the machine? You know, like uh, yeah, I wonder if that gets flagged or anything. Sorry, no liquids on the on the plane. You know, um, mm. so yeah, I mean this, uh, but he's 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 this, this schlubby guy. So, but during that trip to Langkawi, in that time between his arrival at KL on February sixth and the thirteenth, the day he was murdered, apparently he met with a CIA agent and handed over a large amount of electronic data. This is the uh, so he was actually a spy for the CIA. He was an he or I don't know what you, an asset I guess you would call it or or something like that. Not not a secret agent, but like a informant. Um, mm. And so he so this would be again a, a huge motive to to take him out because he'd be spilling the tea about things that happen in you know again palace intrigue and all that sort of stuff. Like we you know wa we want to know what's going on there, and so um apparently he was an asset i don't know like i found it in a few articles but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'd say take this with a grain of salt because i'm not 100 percent sure about this um but but that's what i, I discovered in my research um so on february 13th he uh kim jong-nam arrives at uh back at at klia uh kuala lumpur international airport um it's nine o'clock in the morning and he's walking in when you walk into the airport, like the um, it's kind of like the, I don't know, ante room or whatever. Before you check your baggage, there's like restaurants and cafes, Starbucks, Rody Bun, you know, all those Cinnabon or whatever, you know, places. And so he's he's kind of in that area. And so if, uh, right now, I would say it's a good time to like pause your podcast, the podcast and jump on YouTube and watch the CCTV footage because you could see the entire murder in real time, like in real time on CCTV. It's really fascinating. And so you can get a kind of an idea of what the airport looks like and what happens. And it happens so quickly. He, uh, he's, he's, he's in the airport. Um, he's uh, standing um, kind of uh, in between like a couple of, it looks like he's in between a couple of coffee shops and he's kind of ready to enter, go to the, the baggage uh, uh, check area. 
and two women run up behind him and one woman puts rubs some lo- some liquid on his face and the other woman um puts a cloth on his face and then they run away and as soon as this happens he he's like what is going on this is really crazy so he goes to a receptionist and he says you know hey someone grabbed me from behind and rubbed a liquid on my face and he then he said i'm not uh feeling too well and you can see this in the video in the cctv he's talking to the receptionist and there are a couple of uh security you know airport security guys there and they say let's take you to the medical medical office there's like a little doctor's office uh in the next floor down um, and, uh, it's just like a, like a, and you can see this in the CCTV as well. And as he's walking, you can see he's messed up, like something is happening, but it's not that bad. I mean, he's, he's just like, he looks more kind of stunned than sick at that moment. And you see him kind of walking, but he is definitely, he's stunned and he goes into that, uh, uh into the, uh, into that room. And so you can only watch what's happening from the the hallway into the glass of the doctor's office. But inside there, within a a few minutes, he collapses. And you can see this picture and there's a picture of him. And it's again from the CCTV and he's on a sofa and it's kind of like he's, his belly's kind of sticking out of his shirt. He's disheveled. He's, yeah, he's not breathing uh, right. Um, Something has gone terribly wrong. And, uh, and, 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 and within 15 to 20 minutes, he's dead. He dies, uh, in the, apparently died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So it took about 15 to 20 minutes for him to die. And so what was the, do you know the nerve agent, what they use? So this is where the story gets absolutely bonkers. Um, so I'm going, so what happened was that you're right. The, what you said about that, the, uh, liquid that was that was rubbed on his face was vx nerve agent which is the deadliest nerve agent uh that we had that there is like vx you just a i think they said something like 10 milligrams will kill a a grown man in uh, in a short amount of time so it doesn't take a lot and it and rubbing it on the face would be particularly bad because there are a lot of mucous membranes so it will get absorbed more quickly. Uh, if you just rubbed it on somebody's leg or a pant leg, that's dangerous. I mean, this is dangerous, a dangerous chemical. However, rubbing it right on the skin of the face would be the, you know, the best way to, you know, I, I guess the better way would be injected in someone's blood. But I mean, if you're just going to, you know, rub it on skin, face would be a, a great place. Nose, mouth, eyes, something like that. So um, VX nerve agent. Um, apparently, uh, VX is, um, yeah, like I said, it was, it's, it's maybe the most, uh, dangerous, uh, nerve agent and, and, uh, North Korea apparently has like, I don't know, half a million, I don't know they, they have a lot, they have a, sorry, I'm not even going to say a number. They have a shitload of it. More than any, more VX than, than, uh, than, than any country needs. Um, and this is, this is all like, you know, th- this stuff breaks like um, uh, treaties, you know, like, like uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like international laws. I mean, we, you cannot, this is chemical. These are chemical weapons, right? This is the kind of stuff that, that we were searching for in Iraq in 2000. They said, you know, Saddam Hussein used on his people. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. These this nerve agent uh, type stuff. Very, very deadly and and cruel you know it's so it's a a weapon of mass destruction i would say it fits that description uh or definition um so uh okay so what happened is that uh these two women uh run away and uh however um they're caught on camera and i'm going to uh i'm going to talk about the uh the two women right now a little bit here um, and then I'm going to come back to uh, this, uh, the other thing here. Okay. So uh, the one woman, uh, her, was, uh, her surname was Huang, uh, and she was from Vietnam. So as a Vietnamese woman, she's 28 years old. Uh, I believe her name was uh, Duan T. Huang, uh, but I'm, I'm murdering the pronunciation. 
And uh, the other woman was uh, from Indonesia, and she was uh, Siti Aisha, I believe. Is, is I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. A-I-S-Y-A-H. Aisha? Aisha? I don't know if, uh, how, how to pronounce it. Um, and uh, the two women, um, you know, obviously the first instinct of the uh, Malaysian police was these two women are highly skilled, you know, femme fatales, uh, secret agents who perpetrated this masterful murder in, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, in, in a precise way that would, you know, make a movie star blush, you know? And so um, that's what they were sold as in those first couple of days, right? These two femme fatales. Who are they? Well, uh, both of them worked in the, and I'm going to, uh, you can't see this um, on the, uh, if, you, if you watch the YouTube, you can see this. I'm using entertainment with air quotes, uh, entertainment industry in Malaysia. Uh, you know, the club, club life. Uh, mm. One worked in a massage parlor. The other one, uh, I think a bar. Um, but they were, you know, that, that was their, their way of, of, uh, of earning money. Um, and they came from small villages, very poor. And so they were looking for a way to earn, you know, a better living and have a better life. And so they ended up in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur, uh, working in the entertainment uh, industry there. Not, and, I'm sorry, the male entertainment industry, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, try to be delicate, but uh, and not crude. But uh, um, the, uh, what happened was uh, these, the two women were recruited by some uh, Asian men that lived, that apparently lived in the, that were, well, that sold themselves as uh, being uh, entertainment uh, producers, essentially, of a YouTube channel, like a very popular YouTube channel in Japan. Uh, another one um, said he was, uh, a, a, I think, a, a wealthy South Korean, um, and that they they were looking for some stars to be in their kind of like a candid camera, uh, secret camera, YouTube and television show. And so every time. So and the show was this is what the show was. This is it. This is it. This is the whole show. Uh, you put some uh, baby oil on your hands and you run up behind an unsuspecting man in an airport or a a hotel lobby or an airport lobby and you rub it on his face or kiss his cheek and and then run away and uh there's a camera recording this is what they're told the young women um and uh as the camera is recording it, this is, they, they've filmed the reaction of the man and this goes into the YouTube video and it's wildly popular. You're going to become a movie star, uh, hundred bucks a pop for each of these, uh, each time they perform this. And so these recruiters, these, these, uh, now these are North Korean spies, obviously. Um, but they're, these are guys that are smooth operators. Like this is where the Ocean's Eleven thing comes in because they're able to talk these girls. And I think there were other girls as well. I don't think it was just these two girls. I think they started by recruiting other girls, but the girls that ended up uh, committing the assassination um, by proxy, essentially, um, were, were, were the t- more, uh, most outgoing of the girls they recruited, like willing to do, you know, follow wait, through. Wait, so- so they did like some baby oil incidences first. They did. Uh, so uh, I, I I believe that um, I have this here. Huang performed uh, four times in locations around uh, Kuala Lumpur. So four different times she got paid a hundred bucks a pop to rub some lotion, some massage lotion, or baby oil on the faces of unsuspecting. Wow. Well, so like there's there's a guy out there right now that's like. He's like the test subject for an assassination. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like what a bar story. What a bar story. I was in uh, no check this out. Uh uh CT, she performed it uh more than I think 10 times, at least 10 occasions. She was even flowing to Phnom Penh. She was uh flowing to other country like other countries in Southeast Asia to perform this this thing, this 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 uh I don't even know what you'd call it, like like fake. YouTube prank, but it's like the lamest prank 
in you know the history of pranks like yeah i mean yeah I, hmm. which is the lameness of the prank i think is what <laughs> led to the like the such high suspicion is like i think the the malaysian authorities are like clearly you're not this naive like there's naive and then now you've just invented a new word that we <laughs> yeah, need for naive like, like you know? the, the detectives like you know what i'm not buying it like what i'm not buying it why it's just not funny <laughs> it's, it's just not, not yeah. funny artistically it just doesn't yeah, yeah, it this doesn't is there's no merit here this is <laughs> this is this is garbage <laughs> um it, it is i mean it's it's bizarre but but the girls were i mean they were they were fully into it like they 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 were on the road to stardom and so if you look at um youtube and you and you punch in um uh duan uh, T Huang, the H uh, U O N G, the name of the the Vietnamese girl. She even auditioned for like the American Idol copy copycat of of uh, Vietnam, like Vietnam's version of American Idol. Okay, the so Vietnamese Idol, I guess, or whatever. And she sang, and she had a lovely voice. Like she she's a pretty good singer. And so she, I think she, you know, they have starry eyes. These young girls, and they're also like of the age. They're now they're maybe 30 and 26 or something like that, or 27. So, you know, they're like, they grew up with YouTube and stuff. Right. Or at least well, they had. And, and I mean, in all seriousness in their defense, like YouTube is filled with trash. Like, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, in all seriousness, like I made, I made sure. So like the story, you know, the, the detective being like, you know, this isn't funny. Well, yeah. I mean, anything flies. It's the internet, bro. Like, I know. I mean, so maybe, what, maybe it's not that silly. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, how many cat videos? Like, uh, you know, are those hilarious? Or, you know, what's what's wrong with it? Like, why do I we? Mean, yeah, Jack, we're, we're on the internet. I mean, yeah, anything's possible. I mean, right. And so I think that actually, I don't find it unfathomable that they could be yeah. duped this way. And, and they were young, they were in their 20s when this happened. And and they were getting paid a hundred bucks. Like that was pretty big money for them, for these two girls, you know, to get a hundred bucks. That's like, you know, I don't think they were making that much in a day, you know, in, in maybe a week, you know, or maybe three or four days. I don't know, but I'm sure that they, you know, hundred bucks a pop. Uh, it was good money for them, you know, to just do a couple of pranks and they, it was exciting and they felt mm -hmm. like stars, you know, like they were, you know, and these guys were sweet talking them. And so, so when the two girls met at the airport, when they did, when they, uh, when they, they did the final performance, we'll call it, um, which was, uh, you know, essentially, well, anyway, uh, they, that was the first time that they had met, had, had come in contact with each other, the two girls. And uh, I think you're kind of, I'm kind of wondering right now, why would there be two girls? And that really got me interested. And that sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. And I, I would like to uh, ask you your opinion about this because it, this kind of makes sense to me. Now, when it comes to the nerve gas agent, there's this idea of like this uh, biochemical agent. So they put some of the chemicals on CD's hands and then the reactive agent is like on the handkerchief in Huang's uh, uh, or uh, Duan's hand. So and so, yes, yeah. right. And so once the two, once the two are, are connect, you know, the two chemicals meet each other, that sends off a, a, a reaction. And that's where the nerve agent is actually becomes the VX. So, you know, in like a super simplistic form, you know, one has the V, one has the X. And yeah, but man, I didn't think of that, but that makes a lot of sense. Like if you got something like the way you described it, you're like in 10 minutes, he's flat out, he's gone, he's dead. Mm -hmm. That's that's wild. That's why I was like, man, is this real? Like, it, you know, yep. um, it would make sense that they would want to have some sort of uh, delay on that, you know, some sort of separation, some like right. you know, keep the map confused because it's it's one thing to assass have one single assassination and then have to deal with that, like kind of, uh, you know, international political fallout that deals with that. It's another thing if you accidentally give a bunch of VX to a Thai prostitute and she drops it on her way through the airport and right. kills 
30,000 people, you know, like right. that's a different thing. That's, <laughs> a, that's a, you, I mean, this, this is so ballsy. Like it's, it's off the wall. Like this is nuts. Like I can't believe they tried yeah. this and I can't believe it even worked. You know, I mean, that's why I compare it to like an ocean's 11 because in reality, Ocean's Eleven, you know, that would have broke down after the first act, you know, something would have happened. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like this only happens in the movies, but this, this literally, this whole thing played out exactly the way these guys pretty much wanted it to happen. And so, right. And also you don't want CT or, or uh, Duan to drop dead three steps after they, you give them this, the lotion on their hands to rub on, you know, the VX nerve right. agent you know yeah. so they so ct got sick in the cab on the way home like when she left like she ran out and the guys so i i have to back up here a little bit as this was happening there were five agents that they know were in the uh in the um airport um and uh i believe four of them were in a coffee shop just watching the show essentially and then obviously the handlers were were the ones that put the the chemical on the hands of the girls because this this you know they, they've been doing this over and over again but this last time according to i watched this interview with ct uh uh ct the the indonesian girl she did an interview with like uh national geographic or 60 minutes i can't remember but um she uh i'll link to all this stuff that i uh, all my resources um and so she said that uh, when he put it in, in her hand so that's why i think she didn't have the cloth I, I think that uh, the Vietnamese girl had the cloth soaked in it and maybe uh, CT because it was in her hand and then she rubbed it on the face of Kim Jong-nam that made her sick. But, but I don't, I don't understand why it didn't make her, you know, why it didn't kill her like through her hands, you know? So it's, 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 it's a very strange. I couldn't get like exactly the answers, you know, in some articles I read that, you know, they just say like one of the girls had a cloth. A handkerchief and you know but it, i was trying to figure out like which one and you can't really see from the cctv you just kind of see the vietnamese girl uh, huang throws her hands over his his face and and then you can't really even see what the indonesian girl is doing clearly um but she said that he put it right in her hand at the, the cafe and then as the girls went off to find the guy they gave they said uh, you know, the next actor is this guy. And they pointed to Kim Jong-nam and said, he's an actor. He's participating in this little skit that we're doing, this performance. And he's the, he's the guy you're going to go after. And so the girls, you know, went and got him. And the, the Korean guys that were at the airport, the handlers were watching it. And uh, in fact, you can see at the medical center when, as Kim Jong-nam is dying, one of the secret agents walks right by with his carrying his suitcase rolling on the ground and he looks in the glass to make sure the job was done that's how meticulous this was i mean you had lookouts you had handlers you had they you know they even had this guy make sure that you know everything had gone according to plan that he's dead um so that they didn't need to do you know another you know guns ablazing or whatever i don't know what their backup plan was you know um thank god nobody else you know got sick or hurt from this like it was just kim jong-nam you know and so um, yeah and and so in, in the, i i recommend people watch the cctv because it's very it's just uh it's so dark like when you see this guy walk by um and 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 you know you could totally tell who he's but he's cool as a cucumber like he's just you know rocking right by just with just going through the airport and so these guys all the four of the four of the the handlers or four of the the guys in this we'll say this team the squad uh jumped on a plane they went to like um i think they went to like jakarta and then they went to i can't remember um where they went but they 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 ended they went to like four places they might have gone to like dubai and then they went to uh vladivostok and then they went to pyongyang Pyongyang. And so four of them got out of their airport scot-free. They were back before they could even figure out who these guys were or, you know, what their actual names were. They were already in Pyongyang celebrating, drinking soju. They had, they, I mean, wow. they, they're stars, right? Like they, they probably, you know, are famous in that country. I imagine. Yeah. It sounds like the, it's, 
quite the mission to pull off. I, I never, I never knew this story. And now, I mean, I'm just, I'm feeling bad for him. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously yeah. he's assassinated, but I'm, I keep thinking about what you were talking to him in Lankawi, like with a backpack with a hundred grand yeah, and anti-nerve agent. Like I've backpacked a lot around the world. And, and when I was younger, I was, I spent um, longer periods of time solo traveling. You meet other travelers and stuff. Everybody's got like, you know, your backpack, which is like your house that you're wearing. Yep. And my backpack was never more than 10 kilos, usually around eight. So I traveled pretty light, but still, I mean, it's, that was enough for me. And then I'd, I'd have like, you know, maybe, maybe I'd have like a, my guitar with me or like a ukulele or something, some, some handbag or something. But anyway, it's just like a very minimal, minimal get up. I just Googled a hundred, a hundred grand in $20 bills. That's 5k. That's basically <laughs> my backpack. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah. The plus the anti-nerve agent, you know, right. you just imagine little... like some guy, I mean, you know, like what's in your pack, bro. It's like, you know, I've got like my swim trunks and my snorkel and he's got like, you know, a hundred grand cold and, cash and, and the and antidote to like VX nerve agent. Now, what I don't understand yeah. is why like, he didn't okay? drop his bag immediately. And I would just start shooting myself with the anti antidote. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have messed around. Like, okay, it's a liquid. All right, I'm I'm going. Maybe you know. I, I guess maybe he just couldn't imagine that that was happening, or he was so stunned because he really looks stunned. Like he's really just kind of staggering down the yeah. stairs, down the escalator. And uh, if you see him in that chair, it really is 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 a pathetic sight. Like it's it's sad. You know, he's just laid back and just you know splayed out. He's he's messed up. And so uh, what's, what's, what's Malaysia's reaction to this? What, what happened was essentially after the 2018, do you remember the summit with between Singapore between uh, Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un? Oh, the, barely. Yeah. Uh, the, this, this was a pretty big deal at the time, because like you said, in, in the time preceding that there was a lot of saber rattling, especially if you yeah. live on the peninsula right now, like here at that time, it was like, there were politicians in America saying, you know, let's just bomb Pyongyang. And, you know, like, let the chips fall, you know, whatever happens to Seoul, uh, you know, got to get rid of this dictatorship. Well, I mean, it worked great in Iraq, right? I mean, nothing bad ever happens when you knock out a, a dictator. Um, so, I mean, it's just like, it was, ridic it was a ridiculous time. So we needed some, like, you know, diplomacy. And we actually got, like, a good result from Trump, essentially. I mean, I, I you know, I, it hurts me to to give them credit, you know what I mean? Like as much as any, you know, uh, I guess lefties out there, but I will, because he did cool that off. Right. I mean, that was a situation that was very close to being catastrophic and ended with them, like saying they were writing letters to each other, you know, essentially. Um, so it, whatever it takes, like, I'm happy with, you know, like if you can cool it off, like I've, diplomacy is always a better choice in my opinion. And so, uh, Malaysia used this moment to compliment Kim Jong-un and said, you know, his, 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 his willingness to reach out and, and talk with the Americans has shown that he's, you know, willing to, you know, open up a little bit or whatever. And so uh, North Korea let those guys go. And there was, you know, the exchange of, uh, uh, you know, the Malaysian. Oh, okay. So uh, that's how that tied together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they were able to, you know, be able to cool that whole thing off. And, uh, all that Malaysia was left with were the uh, the girls. And so all of this ended up on their heads. And you could probably tell me or our audience, what is the penalty in Malaysia for murder? There's only one sentence. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. So there's no such thing as like, you know, uh, 30 years, you know, uh, parole in 25 or whatever, you know, good behavior. There's none of that stuff. You get, they hang you. Um, and so these girls were staring down the barrel of a death sentence. And uh, what happened uh, eventually is that um, the, they were able to convince the, uh, uh, well, the city, the Indonesian girl, they were looking for some way to better relations between Indonesia and Malaysia are, are good trading partners and have good relations. And so they let her go. They just let her off. But they didn't let Huang off, but they both the girls did exactly the same thing. Same story. Exactly. So people are saying, that's not fair. You know, how can you, and what they ended up doing was 
they ended up getting uh, uh, Huang, the Vietnamese girl, to plead to like hurting someone, harming someone willfully or whatever, and which is a three-year sentence. The girls had already done two years. I think uh, uh, Huang did another month, and then they let her out because they they cut the sentence by a third, which so is she went, she went home also. Yeah, so she went home also. So basically, end of the day, nobody paid for the murder of Kim Jong Nam. Obviously, Malaysia would would disagree with this because it would make the prosecutors, you know, prosecution's office look bad or prosecutor's office, but they needed a fall guy. You know, mm-hmm. we need somebody to, to pay for this. And so we're going to put it on these two girls. And I think they were just, their story was too genuine. Like they really were these like naive girls that were completely used by these agents. Well, it's, it's too obvious and it's too sad. Like, yeah. it's how can you even if you willfully want to, you know, paint it that way, you want to lie and just go with that. How can you, how can you straight face say it? It's, it's absurd. Yeah. It's so and obvious. I, and I, I just don't think you could, I don't think the diplomatically it would have made sense to hang the Indonesian girl because it would just, you know, like, I think they were, their hands were tied diplomatically. And then also I think it just became so apparent that the real, you know, masterminds behind this assassination, this murder. And so you have mm. this, you're basically an impossible situation. And so you need somebody to pay for it. Well, let's put it on these two girls, but they're just too young and naive. And, and, I, and so, and, and, and sad. And so it, it just ended up being a, a big empty feeling where no one pays for it. I mean, they get away with it, you know? Anyway, that's the, the story of Kim Jong-nam. And uh, I, I apologize for being long-winded today, but it was a lot to, to get out. And no, I mean, like I said, I wanted to come in cold and yeah. like learn the story from you. I mean, I could have spent a bunch of time Googling and stuff prior, but I thought it'd be kind of fun to just uh, to go into storyland. You did yeah, a really yeah. good job to talk about it years later, subjects like this, because it humanizes the characters. Like, mm-hmm. It's easy just to say like, oh, you know, it's Kim Jong-un's brother, you know, fuck that guy. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I seriously, I can't get the image out of my head of him running around with a backpack with cash and anti, you know, death yeah. vials. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Could you imagine this? And then the well, way he goes is, out. This is his life, man. Like he, his yeah. life was worrying about his family getting killed. His life was worrying about his son getting murdered. His, his life was worrying about himself getting murdered. And it could happen at any time. And exactly yeah. his worst fear happened yeah. you could do a whole uh you know patch on the khashoggi murder you know what i mean like that the you know mbs uh, saudi arabia i mean the same 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 thing you know it's like same story different different place you know yeah well i mean we'll get ourselves canceled in one country at a time so cancel, <laughs> so, yeah. cancel the north korea <laughs> cancel north korea right yeah we'll start with saudi arabia next week yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks for hanging in there for the this long patch. I appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you so much, man, for uh, letting me yeah. tell the story. And uh, you guys can uh, go to our website, thesoulpatch.com. Uh, you can send us an email, uh, thesoulpatch at gmail.com. And uh, you can watch us on YouTube. If you could do us a favor, give us a positive review on Apple uh, Podcasts. That really helps us out. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Good night. I like to pay a couple respects to the people that made me what I am today. Gotham Gear, it's all my love. The quiet man, it's all my love.